0: welcome to the mission mill spouse podcast the longest running podcast of its kind carrying on the 18-year legacy of army wife talk radio we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components we are so glad you're here thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity foster confidence and thrive in this military life now here are your podcast hosts your mission mill spouse command team
1: Hello listeners, welcome to Mission no Spouse podcast. My name is Sarah Robichaud, your director of administration, and I'm so happy you are joining us from wherever it is that you call home. We're here to globally empower military spouses with resources and support so they can conquer adversity, foster confidence and thrive in this military life. This is show number 1008 of the longest running podcast of its kind, and it is my pleasure to introduce my team member and co-host Jade Fusaro, our director of social media.
2: Thank you, Sarah. Hello, everyone. It's truly a privilege to bring you resources and support through this podcast, and today is no exception. To kick things off, we'll share some of our top resources to help you navigate this Mill Spouse life. Then in just a bit, we'll hear from today's guest, Julie Moser, founder of Pink Warrior Angels.
1: So let's get started. Listeners, did you know that Mission Millspouse Spouse is entirely powered by volunteers and the generosity of our partners?
2: That's right, Sarah. As a 501c3 organization, both individuals and businesses can support us in our mission, and we would love it if you choose us. Join us and check us out on our website, missionmillspouse.org, to donate or email partner at missionmillspouse.org for more in depth details on our extensive partnership deliverables. Just a reminder all donations are tax deductible and go completely towards supporting our military spouse community. Thank you. Before we dive into today's resources, I definitely would love to chat about the latest happenings in your household, Sarah. How are things with you?
1: Oh, hey, Jade, things are good. I don't think we've hosted together. So I'm kind of excited to, to chat with you a little bit. Um, things in my house are good. I uh, don't have much to report on. We're just kind of rolling through the fall. I feel like at top speed, um, it feels like my kids just started school yesterday, but it's actually been, you know, six or seven weeks at this point. And we're just kind of just blowing through the calendar. Um, as far as military stuff goes, uh, my husband's list of possible next duty stations just came out. We're um, scheduled to PCS next summer I know it's so it's like we're playing that game where we don't know where we're going but we have ideas and hopes and we're trying to plan but we don't really have any information and we're just kind of in like this weird limbo at this point just kind of you know playing everybody's favorite waiting game Uh, how are things with you Jade
2: everything's good um we're actually about to PCS in the next like three months so we're um winding down here and you know, the whole um, declutter phase and, mm-hmm. you know, big purge is starting to happen, <laughs> which yes. is like funny because my in-laws were in town last week and they're like, wait, why do you have like five bags of stuff? I'm like, oh, we, we got to <laughs> donate that. I got to get rid of that. Like, I got to lessen the load for when we move. Yes, <laughs> so they're, I, they were laughing. I do the same thing. they like, so early. I know. Isn't it fun to do that though? Like to go through stuff and just kind of,
1: Like, get rid of things. It is. If you want to tell your in laws, you know, if they're saying that you're doing it too early, I have started doing that and I am like 10 months before our PCS. So, oh my God, you don't realize like how many
2: things like you bring home or like you're given. And then you're like, why do I have this like random stack of papers? So, it's like, I don't want to bring that to my new, you know, like home and like ruin the feng shui of things. So it's been um it's been fun to, I get uh, fun but like a little stressful to you know know that right around the holidays we're gonna be picking up and leaving and you know so do you guys have any good duty stations hopefully on your list that you guys can Um, go to were you excited or were you like oh no
1: there so the list has two hundred. Possible jobs listed that we are currently (laughs) sorting through (laughs) Um, It is super overwhelming and they range from everywhere like Fort Cavazos and Fort Liberty to um, uh, The Chicago airport at O'Hare like as a job duty station. So my husband is kind of in a weird role He switched out of combat arms and into acquisitions And so we kind of have like some weird duty stations on our list that are really unusual so we're trying to sort through like do we want to go someplace like completely off the rails? Like, let's go work at O'Hare Airport, you know, for two <laughs> yeah. years? Or do we want to go, go, you know, back towards like Fort Cavazos where we can be back with our military family? So we're trying to balance like what we're looking for. Oh my gosh, that's, uh, that's quite the list. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really overwhelming. And so you are, you're currently in Florida. Where are you PCSing to?
2: So we're down in Miami um, at Southcom, and we're heading to uh, Hill Air Force Base in Salt Lake City.
1: Oh, amazing! That's uh, that'd be quite the change of scenery for you.
2: Yeah, but for us, like my husband got nominated by someone to go to the job that he's going to, so we didn't have like I feel like we haven't had like that big extensive list to go through. Thank mm-hmm. God, because. <laughs> I honestly don't know how we would ever make a decision. So I'm like, wow, 200 things like you guys, the world is your oyster.
1: Oh my gosh. It's, it is, it's extremely overwhelming. We kind of take it um, and we sort it out by like the places we definitely don't want to go. And then we kind of go through like, well, the places that we would like to go. And then we start ranking it by like what the job actually is. So it's, it's a whole process. We've been having lots of, mostly cordial conversations about it but it's so stressful that sometimes it it gets a little spicy <laughs> <Not> for sure <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Well, as always, it has been wonderful catching up with you. Hosting our podcast is such a fun way for our team members to connect with each other, uh, despite being spread out across the globe. Before we move on, I want to briefly mention that currently our team is beginning the search for a new executive director. Our current director, Dr. Sherida Nablock, has decided to embrace change in her current season of military life and will be stepping down in the coming months. Our team is in search of a driven military spouse who is eager to empower their fellow male spouses. So if you are someone who likes to help others and wants to stay involved and connected to the military spouse community and embraces the military life with optimism and grace and a strong cup of coffee or wine, we want to hear from you. So Jade, where can our listeners go to find out more information about this amazing leadership opportunity?
2: Okay. So they have two great options. The first is to head over to our website, org and visit our volunteer info page. It's a brand new part of our website. Kudos to Sarah. Um, <laughs> so definitely go there and find that out. We've also got a few other open positions to check out as well. So if you'd like to be a part of our team. Um, additionally, if you're interested in the executive director role, you can reach out to our team at hello. At missionmillspouse.org. Again, hello is H-E-L-L-O at missionmillspouse.org to learn more. Now, let's switch gears just a bit and hear from some of our other members of our command team. Next is our Empowerment Patrol report, followed by our weekly Moxie Minute and top stories from our News 6 correspondent.
0: We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our Director of Empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report.
3: Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is Amy Fisher bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Today we are showcasing our Everyday Empowerment recipient, Paulette Fryer, nominated by Amanda Bickneys, who shares with us that Paulette deserves recognition as an Everyday Empowerment recipient due to her empowering personality and mindset. I haven't met Paulette IRL in real life, but I just know she's a ray of sunshine. She is vibrant, encouraging, and supportive of military spouses. Whenever asked to contribute or volunteer, Paulette does so without hesitation. She has earned several titles, including AFI's Military Spouse of the Year in 2020. Paulette is a small business owner of a jewelry line by Plunder. Her stuff is so cute and adds glam to any outfit. You can find her shop online at myvintageposh.com and on social media at the Vintage Posh Boutique on Facebook or vintage.posh on Instagram. Paulette, thank you so much for being an absolute joy and inspiration to other military spouses. On behalf of Mission Mill Spouse, thank you so much to Paulette for doing your part to empower military families all across the globe. Until next time, I'm Amy Fisher, reminding you that empowered spouses
0: empower spouses. Unlike our calendar plans, our commitment to serve military spouses is written in ink. Now continuing our 18-year legacy is Mission Mill Spouse Deputy Director of Empowerment with this week's Moxie Minute.
3: Greetings, remarkable military spouses. It's time for another captivating episode of Moxie Minute. I'm Amy Fisher, your spirited host, and today we're delving into the boundless realm of fearless fortitude. Picture yourself at the head of a ship, or maybe even behind the wheel of your own moving truck this time. Whether it's steering onto the waves or driving onto that new poster base in a new state, it's not about being devoid of fear, but about confronting it head on. In the annals of history, we find Amelia Earhart, the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. Her fearlessness wasn't just in defying gender norms. It was about confronting the vast unknown. Just like her, your fearlessness is charting new courses in the face of challenges. As Captain Jack Sparrow once remarked, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. So military spouses, let your fearless fortitude steer your ship through the stormiest seas of military life. With each tempest stew weather you 're adding to your arsenal of moxie until next time, friends, embrace the journey, ignite your spirit, and live with unstoppable moxie
0: No news is typically good news in this military life except on the mission Mill podcast. Here is our new six
4: correspondent with this week 's top stories Howdy y'all and buckle up for this week 's new six update. Army astronaut breaks record and returns home. Army Lieutenant Colonel Frank Rubio recently returned to his planet of origin, but not without breaking a record of the longest time in space for the U.S. space program. He spent 371 days in low Earth orbit, clocking in the longest space flight of an American. The previous record was held by Mark Vandy with an impressive 355. The longest space flight ever is held by the Russians with with 437 days. Surprisingly enough, Rubio did not blast off into the stars with the hope of breaking this record. Instead, a series of circumstances forced him into it. Originally a six-month mission, a coolant leak extended the trip. If they had asked me up front before training, because you do train for a year or two years for your mission, I probably would have declined, he said, while floating aboard the International Space Station. It would have hurt, but I would have declined, and that's only because of family, things that were going on this past year. Frank's record-breaking time in space is not just a milestone, it's a major contribution to our understanding of long-duration space missions, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said in a statement. Before becoming an astronaut in the class of 2017, Rubio was a Black Hawk pilot for the Army. He deployed to Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan and clocked in over 1,100 hours flight time. The Army has singularly provided unique opportunities for me, but I think more important than that and more than the experiences themselves is the adaptability that you build, Rubio said last year in an Army release. We have, as soldiers, just become incredibly resilient and adaptable because you have to. You never know what's coming at you. Rubio, when asked about his plans when returning home, said, For me, honestly, obviously, I think hugging my wife and kids is going to be paramount, and I'll probably focus on that for the first couple days. Welcome back to the best planet in the solar system, Lieutenant Colonel. I may be biased, though. I'm from here. Welcome change for child care costs. Military families may soon be seeing more than 40% cuts to their childcare fees, a welcome change in a time of steady inflation and rising costs. This change mostly comes from a consolidation of fee categories, dropping from 14 to 11 and putting many families in lower levels with lower costs. Military Times says, For those in the lowest income category, the weekly child care fee has decreased from $58 to $54, a difference of $4, but the income cap in Category 1 has increased from 30810 to $45,000, so more people will be in the lower, lowest category and eligible for lower fees. Thus, a service member with a total family income of $45,000 will be paying $54 a week compared to $82 a week in the current higher income category. That's a savings of $28 a week and a 34% drop. This is a game changer for many military families. DoD gets it. The services get it. This is a readiness issue, said Kelly Hruska, government relations director for the National Military Family Association. Changes to the fee policy will ensure that DoD can continue to invest in our service members by providing quality, affordable child care through both installation-based programs and community-based fee assistance, said Greer Martin, acting Assistant Secretary of Defense for Manpower and Reserve Affairs in a news release. We're committed to addressing the increased demand and challenges for this critical issue, which directly impacts the readiness of the total force. Finally, some welcome money news for military families. Our military kiddos deserve the best care, and our military heroes deserve more change in their wallets. Tax-free dependent care spending accounts for military families. Speaking of good news on the child care front, the DOD tax-free DCFSAS for military members is coming next year. This is a financial benefit that will be available January 1st. According to the DOD memorandum, it will enable them to have money from their paychecks diverted to an account that can be used to pay for dependent care services, such as preschool, summer day camp, before or after school programs, and child or adult daycare. Active duty and active duty reserve guard will be able to take advantage of this benefit. Whatever money they put into this program will no longer be taxed and their income will be reported without this money, putting them in a lower tax bracket helping lower their overall taxes and giving them greater take-home pay. Those wanting to participate can sign up mid-November to December during the federal benefits open season. Jennifer Walker, the Executive Director for the Dependent Care Flexible Spending Account Initiative, said as many as 400,000 service members have eligible dependents and will be eligible to take advantage of the benefits provided by the DCFSA program. That includes families who have children who are under the age of 13 or who have a spouse or other tax dependent, regardless of age, who is mentally or physically incapable of self-care, she said. In recent years, our military community has weathered a number of challenges, but our people have risen to every mission and done it all with extraordinary resilience, Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III wrote in a March 2023 memorandum. But it is the department's ongoing moral duty to spare our outstanding people stress and struggle on the home front where we can and to show our service members and civilian employees how much they mean to us with tangible support that makes a genuine difference in their lives, he wrote. The department has therefore relentlessly focused on improving quality of life, and I am very proud of what we've achieved so far. While the rest of the world may be scary financially at the moment, two good pieces of news on the child care front should help ease many military minds. Today in History On October 2nd, 1959, the ever unsettling and ever popular TV series, The Twilight Zone, premiered on CBS It lasted for five seasons and was entirely in black and white Each episode stood on its own and was a completely unique story It's often considered the godfather of American science fiction television It led to a feature film, spin-offs, books, and even a ride at Disney theme parks Rod Sterling, already quite popular on TV and radio at the time, created the series and narrated it as well Often controversial in the usage of science fiction as an allegory for social commentary, the series grappled with many current events, the most controversial of all being racism It quickly became a household name regardless, and TV Guide has named it number 5 in their list of 60 greatest shows Happy birthday, Twilight Zone May you always be just a little bit spooky That's it for me I'm Emma Ty with News 6, where information empowers.
1: It's true listeners, no news is good news in military life, except for when it's coming from our Mission Millspouse News 6 correspondent. Thanks to Emma for always keeping us in the need-to-know news loop. Also, thanks to our Empowerment Branch members for encouraging our Mill Spouse hearts on this challenging yet adventure-filled journey. Let's take a quick break and then stay tuned for today's main event as we sit down to chat with our guest, Julie Mosher.
0: Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running Military Spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six.
5: Welcome, Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Annie Pierce, your Director of Marketing and Events here at Mission Mill Spouse. And I'm so excited to be bringing you today's episode that will empower and educate you. Today's guest is Julie Mosier, founder of Pink Warrior Angels, a nonprofit organization that empowers cancer warriors through a community of support, compassion, and awareness. Julie is a mom of three a military spouse, and two breast cancer survivor. Her career started in civil service while joining her husband from duty station to duty station. Julie's husband, Bob, was transferred to Fort Hood, Texas in 2008, and they have made Central Texas their home. After her diagnosis of stage two breast cancer at the young age of 39, she found that the cancer journey, even with health insurance, rocked them to the core. The cost literally and figuratively still affects her and her family. Julie, welcome to Mission Bill Spouse podcast. Thank
6: you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have
5: you. Actually, let's just jump right into it. How does breast cancer treatment impact a patient's financial well-being, both during and after treatment?
6: You know, this is something that I experienced personally firsthand that I would have never guessed would have impacted us the way that it did. Um, You know, being an active duty family, working for civil service, two kids living at home, one out the house. We lived within our means. We're really good on budget and doing those things. We have amazing health insurance. But then we found that While I was in treatment, I was really sick, and some people can work while they're sick. Some people cannot. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had a lot of rare complications, and just could not go to work. Now, once once you know, now once my leave ran out, um, I go into a leave without pay status, and going from a two household income to one we didn't know how we were going to feed the kids and the misconception of being a military family we have help and support and we have amazing health insurance yes Mm -hmm. but it doesn't pay the bills and you know when you live with a two-income household and it goes to one or if you're a one-income family and now it's gone how do you get through that there's a huge impact that happens that most people don't realize whether you have insurance or not. Um, You know, and, and that is one of the hardest things to experience when you don't know how you're going to feed your kid.
5: I just can't, I can't imagine. I know those aren't the right words.
6: Yeah. Right. And, And it is, it's unimaginable because the stigma of Well, you have health insurance or you have, Mm -hmm. we had just moved into a brand new home and we had just taken a nice big vacation because my husband was deploying and we traditionally always took a vacation, updated our family photos just in case. And it's something that we always did. So people saw that on social media, like every so often we took big Disney trips and those are not Uh cheap. But what people don't understand is I'm very frugal and I will save for two years to have a five-star Disney trip because I'm bougie like that. (laughs) I own that. I am a bougie traveler and I want to be able to buy the $5 ice cream that has Mickey Mouse shaped ears because I can. And so I plan for all of that. And, um, when you're used to being able to not worry and everything's on auto pay, all of a sudden, now you have nothing to even keep continuity for your kids anymore. yeah, it's unimaginable. Wow. right. And my kids were little then. um it's been ten years. so right. my oldest was thirteen, the little one, um she was five, and yeah. our older son, he was just finishing up college. So it it was, it was a big hit to our family of not only just paying your lights and mm-hmm. water and mortgage, um, never mind internet or any of that, it it was is was like, well, how are we gonna pay this? It, that was 10 years ago. So even though things have changed in the last 10 years, you we know, did mm-hmm. COVID and everything that happened, it is now more accessible to get help at a food bank um, for okay. military families and okay. to get more assistance of deferments of payments because, you know, unfortunately that's what COVID taught us was how to be more flexible with this or that. But when we were going through everything, everything was by a guideline of um, your, the national um, low poverty rate, which we did not. Hit because of the active duty status, being um, oh. five, and they counted your housing and everything. But literally, we we could not live off of his income alone. But they didn't um, take into
5: up? account the payments no. for for treatment. Wow!
6: No, no, and so huh. that's the part that was very disconcerting to me because. It's like, okay, well, we, we pay our bills. We've been paying our bills. We're good people of paying our bills on time Mm -hmm. and everybody has hiccups along the way, but we had a great history of payment record for our credit cards. We had perfect credit. We were like in the 800s, perfect credit, like so proud of that. And, you know, all the things that we ultimately had to live off our perfect credit. And I want to say, about a year ago is when we dug our way out of that. Um, oh my goodness. And that was humbling. Very humbling. Yeah. And you know, humbling of negotiating and taking credit hits. Um yeah. because having good credit gives you a lot of different things from your cell phone or a deposit for your lights or water, things you don't realize that your credit is considered into. Um, right right that that's one of those things that's also misunderstood grateful that we had insurance but we were I was not getting treatment far enough away that TRICARE considered it um, medical TDY and so the driving back and forth 45 minutes oh. each way um, I'd go in because I wasn't feeling good and they wanted to see me and then I get admitted to the hospital which you know in theory should just be checking the hospital no No. hours before a room comes available and it's like oh my gosh somebody needs to be there to pick up your kiddo um, off the bus because she's kindergarten so you have to have the special pass and ultimately learn to leave it on the front porch so whoever could be there outside with the orange card to allow them to come off for emily to come off the bus um those kinds of things like it's people chastise us for asking for help and it was the worst feeling in the whole wide world of who you thought was going to come help you were the ones Mm -hmm. who left and those that we never would have asked for help are the ones that came to help um so that was humbling
7: for the first
6: time we had to go to a food pantry and yeah. was treated really bad by the intake person because really? we were military. The stigmatism of the, the stigma of being military, why don't they take care of you if you don't have any money mm-hmm. to feed your kids? And right. because everything was standardized, government, low income. And I said, no, I talked to the executive director, I met him somewhere, and he said I could come in, and I was in tears. And so I immediately called the executive director that said, hey, you know, they won't give us anything. And he's like, he was so embarrassed that we were talked to like there was Uh a volunteer through another program to help them out. And um, she no longer worked there shortly thereafter, because it's not her job to judge anybody. Her job was to have you fill out paperwork. And if you needed food, you got food. And, um, so they really rallied around us and then they started delivering food to our house once a month to us, oh, that's nice. which was really nice. Yeah. Because, you know, there was no Uber Eats and all the mm-hmm. things that we have now to go get DoorDash. somebody to go bring us something and DoorDash and, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the personal shoppers, we didn't have any of that. That wasn't a thing 10 years ago. And so it was really nice. So it was an executive director that would stop by my house to check on us, and they always got fresh flowers from their our HEB or local grocery stores, and um, mm-hmm. they would give us flowers every time with it too. So it was really nice that that's they kind of sweet. took us under the wing, and and that's how I learned even more about their programs um, mm-hmm. on how to help other cancer survivors who would be going through the same thing because we didn't qualify and. A friend of a friend at the school district helped us out by getting us free lunches and free breakfast at school um, for our kids. And because there was an exception that needed to be made and they made it. And so then we didn't have to worry about food for them during school time. So that was really good and very helpful. Right. Um, you know, us military spouses are used to having to fill in the gap where needed when our right, soldier yeah. is gone, our military member is gone, and we we kind of all come together to help each other out. And we don't even think twice about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, can you be my emergency contact? Because I just moved here and I just met you at the grocery and store. And just met you. Yep. Yeah, we just met you. But um, can you be my emergency contact? Because that's how our lives are and it becomes a bond that even with cancer because like people just don't know if you've never been through it you just don't know and but you want to help but you don't know how to help um right to I had a person so my husband is a critical care flight paramedic here at Fort Cavazos and he you know there's a bunch of them so they they while he doesn't fly he rides a lot but they they seat eight on a mission and one of his pilots know that his wife knew this other lady who did work at the USO and all this other stuff and turns out she was 2013 Fort Hood's spouse of the year she had cancer oh. and so big round circle she showed up at my house And said, how can I help you? I know you're not going to ask for help because you're like me. Where we take care of business and we take care of others during deployments. and We take care of others when they had a baby. And Mm -hmm. we set up the mail trains and we do this because that's what we do. And that's what I do. And all I did was cry because I was like, somebody gets it. And she got it. And so I want to share that with everybody. Because sometimes we just need someone to be present. Um, mm-hmm. not fixing anything or whatever. If you want to leave some money, we were going to tell you no, but we appreciate it if you leave it in the envelope after all with the casserole yeah. that you might've dropped off because we're we're too proud to ask because that's right. just how we are. That's how we're built and conditioned as military spouses. Are there any
5: resources? And I know you went through this and 10 years ago, but are there any resources or financial assistance programs that are specifically available and designed to support breast cancer survivors in managing their finances?
6: So there is. So what I ran into personally is some things um, we didn't qualify for because, again, we had Thrift Savings Plan, 401k.
7: We hadn't dipped into
6: those yet at that moment. Um, So we didn't qualify that way. Some other programs, um, some of the bigger organizations they won't go into their names—but big pink ones—they um, you, you support them in the month of October, for example, because it's a highly marketed month, and mm-hmm. you don't know, you you support because you it feels good to give. But right. They also didn't have any support, but I came across a local organization that helped with. Not only military members, but just in general, how to budget, how to cut the okay. corners, how to look at your subscriptions and how to manage those. So, like, do we need Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus? Like, do we need all those subscriptions? Could we just go to one to have something mm-hmm. for the kids? Right. Have something, right? So mm-hmm. to really pick and choose of what subscriptions one might have, how to shop. On a budget, even more, how to make meals that are um, more filling, last longer, that has leftovers, kind of thing. Yeah. So I did find somebody local that helped in managing that type of financing and finding the little hundred dollars here or there <laughs> when you turn off right? some things that we didn't realize we were either paying for or that mm-hmm. we really just don't need necessarily. And but there's not a lot out there. You know, as a military family, we have a lot of access to things over at Army and Community Services that have how to financial plan, um, right, which right. then in turn also learned about supplemental insurance. So, one should have life insurance, in my opinion. Okay. Um, obviously, you should have health insurance, which we do. Right but it also doesn't pay the bills should you get hurt or hospitalized well there's supplemental insurance you think like global life or aflac or uh, i know my brother uh, he works for big toyota and they have something too But if you're hospitalized they pay 60% of his inc- uh, um 60% of his salary while he's hospitalized oh wow and so there's a lot of programs that many companies have your employer may have you just got to take advantage of them and they don't naturally come with military but you can get them at a very reasonable rate for your family from inpatient to accident to cancer to heart disease type things but of course you really need to have it before you have cancer I was um, just they, gonna ask yeah. that. Okay, yeah, yep. And so like we have that on my entire family, but except for me. Um, right. At ten years, they'll allow you to come back into the program and okay. seven years. at seven years, though, my cancer came back. So not only did it come back, now <sighs> I just I don't qualify for a lot of things because of that. I'm considered a high risk. So having oh, supplemental insurance researching life insurance, um, for just in case moments. And while I just had another gentleman I spoke to recently, he was giving a a survivor speech and he works for the school district, for example. And, you know, they don't get paid a lot as teachers. Right. And there he, his cancer was spreading. And so they were trying to find ways to cut corners, to figure things out. Mm -hmm. And they stopped the one supplemental insurance and then his cancer spread and now they won't let him back on it because of that. And it's something he's kicking himself and he was literally did the math and it turned out to be like five dollars a month. They saw it as the bigger picture with the big chunk they took out yearly. So they right, looked at it right. that way versus how much it is monthly. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like I would have probably done the same thing. Because right. we're trying to find money to feed our kids,
7: mm-hmm. trying
6: to keep that continuity. You can't rebuild what you used to have because you're not the same person. One, your your life is different. Okay. Right. Right. And then you may or may not go back to work full time. And in my case, I never went back to work. Well, we've made a lot of adjustments, right? So one baby step at a time, did we rebuild that that emergency fund that we slowly started adding another streaming service in? And like, well, right. you know, we all know some of these companies went up recently in prices. And it's like, well, I don't know. I need it that much for another eight ninety-nine a month, you know. Yeah. So you have to regain financial stability because financial toxicity is real the anxiety that comes with it of not being able to pay a bill sorry explain financial toxicity is that what you said yes so i reference it as financial toxicity it's become so toxic because your phone's ringing from the bill payers right your your billers rather Um, the collections Uh um not being able to give your kids what they want. And and I say that lightly, like basic means like school clothes. Right. Or school supplies. Mm-hmm. Those are expensive. Yeah. And you ain't got money. So that toxic, vicious cycle of the anxiety of I'm not picking up my phone because it's bill collector. I don't know how we're going to eat this week. We're going to make the dollar stretch even further. And Oh, that you know my my daughter's a senior, so this is an example. My daughter's a senior, and she of course, during senior year, they're like, "Get your senior sweatshirt, get your swing senior yeah, hoodie, I get, get your senior shorts, and you want to give that to your kid because it's their memory a core memory for them, but you have to say no. Mm-hmm. I started asking my mom for money for stuff like that for the kids, yeah. um. But because you have to build that up. Senior year is expensive for these kids and you have to, but you don't want to take from the emergency fund that you just put 200 in because you have to build that nest egg.
7: Right, Um, right.
6: So it's hard and you have to have discipline and you have to say no. Um, But you also have to say yes from time to time and go treat Mm -hmm. yourself and your family because you all deserve it. Yeah, so
5: what are what are some practical tips and strategies for breast cancer survivors to effectively manage medical bills and and even insurance claims?
2: Well, you know, I always say
6: look at your bills, get rid of the things you don't need. It kind of goes hand in hand with earlier, you know, um having accountability, your spouse has to be on board too. You can't just have a spouse in be, my house. Yep. My spouse, well, especially when he's deployed, we have a separate bank account for him to so keep things easy, right? But mm-hmm. it's a swipe of the card that's really easy. But when you yeah. have cash in hand, you watch it disappear, it's different. So, you know, those are some things that I would recommend is pulling that cash out, stuffing envelopes, you know, they call it the envelope method that we've all heard about. I've seen and that, And literally yeah. put money assigned for nights out to eat um, for Christmas that's coming for the senior stuff that's coming down the road and put money in envelopes to save because you can physically see it because, you know, they say out of sight, out of mind, but Mm -hmm. if you physically can see it, it's better accountability and medical bills. Let's talk about that for a second, because we have TRICARE, we have bills that are paid for, um, $0. I actually see all civilian doctors now because they don't want me on the installation for many different reasons. Okay, But I just got a bill the other day from the hospital and I was like, yeah, somebody coded something wrong. You have to learn to educate yourself. You have to learn to say, okay, well, I really don't owe that money and don't allow the customer service on the other line saying, well, your insurance denied it. You have to research it and go find out And, you know, you can call the Humana call line and they're like, oh, yeah. So we saw this was approved, but then we were still needing XYZ from your PCM, who is not my oncologist that asked for all this, but nobody said anything to anybody. But then the procedure happened, the treatment happened, what have you. And then Uh the big hospital went and billed and saw that it was still pending something. So then they charge you for it. Well, then those collection agencies call you after a while when you don't pay your bill that you didn't know you had. Yeah. And having to really understand and said, oh, okay, that's all I need. You, you nowadays you can message your PCM. the PCM puts whatever in there and get whatever notes they need. Okay, hospital re, resend it and then it's paid. You know so it's you have to educate yourself on your insurance. And make sure you're very well knowledgeable of your EOB, which is explanation of benefits, and it's way more than I ever wanted to know about insurance. Ever, it's got to be so hard
5: because there's so many different moving pieces, and so it's easy for the one to be like, "Well, it's not on us; it's on this organization." And you're like, "Can can someone just
6: yes?"
7: And and you know what I do?
6: Hundred percent, exactly. And you have to advocate for yourself. They will explain that to me again of what's not working on your part. And then you call the next person down the list. Okay, What is it not working on your part of this whole bill situation? So that's the hospital, the insurance company, your PCM, your oncologist, your breast surgeon, you know, that everything has to be cohesive and together. And while that's not what I went to school for, I learned a lot about it. Because I can only imagine the amount of people who do not know or do not call or just mm-hmm. assume it's correct because it has to be correct
7: um, right. and just pay it.
6: Right. Always research, always advocate for yourself, 100%. I, I mean, again, it's. I feel like I
5: keep thinking this throughout this podcast. I wish you didn't have to, but it's so true. You you do have to advocate for yourself and, and learn. Yeah yeah oh my
6: goodness. and sometimes your mindset's not there to advocate and learn because mm-hmm. you're just trying to get through the day or the next treatment and right. but you can't just wish it away. You have to go back and revisit it again, and it can be revisited later, you know, um mm-hmm. go back and revisit it. the same thing that sometimes you do have to take that twenty dollars from the one envelope to put in the other, and that's okay. You know, it's not a fail. it is you're you're still winning but you have to remember that every day is different and you have to keep putting that best foot forward so you can rebuild your financial self make sure your bills are paid make sure the kids are taken care of you know and the cycle Mm -hmm. goes on and on for sure
5: Mm -hmm. oh my goodness Julie I I want to thank you for all the things that you're doing to help support cancer warriors through their fight with this horrible disease, but also the the financial stress that comes along with it. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about Julie Moser and her work with Pink Warrior Angels, you can connect with them through social media via Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Pink Warrior Angels and on their website, pinkwarriorangels.org. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Julie and learn more about Pink Warrior Angels and their mission to help support those who are currently in treatment.
0: Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org, or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support.
5: Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with Julie Mosier, who's here today to talk to us about Pink Warrior Angels. Let's jump right back into the conversation. How can breast cancer survivors navigate the complexities of returning to work or finding new employment after their treatment ends?
6: You know, there's a lot of federal and state protections that help those that are going through chronic illnesses, such as cancer. Um, You know, there's different government agencies that protects us. So, you know, everybody is pretty much familiar with the LEAVE Act for um, FMLA, which is the Family Medical Leave Temporary FMLA. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, because this cancer is considered a disability, and while you're oh. in treatment, it is short-term disability or temporary, okay. either way. But yep. the those, unfortunately, you know, breast cancer specifically, one in eight women in their lifetime will be diagnosed with breast cancer, and oh. out of those eight, uh, one in eight, one in uh-huh. three that do test positive will become metastatic in their lifetime. Okay. And so that is very scary statistics, because if you put a room full of women, one mm-hmm. every eighth one will have breast cancer in their lifetime. And out of those eight that are put together, one in three of those will have metastatic breast cancer, which means your breast cancer has traveled to a different part of your body, but it's still breast cancer. For example, if it goes to your lungs and they biopsy it, it's the exact same cells as your breast cancer and not lung cancer. And oh, being metastatic is considered terminal, um, and usually it's a five-year lifespan. But I'm a, I'm here to tell you, I know many that are ten plus. So it is not a death sentence, but by the government standards, being terminal gives you disability, and you can file for Social Security, Social Security disability or if you want to work that you have, um, laws that protect you for accommodation and, or if you have to switch medications, you know, these laws protect you to have accommodations. Maybe you need to come in a little later because you have to take these sleep aids because of the steroids you take before treatment, you know?
7: Um,
6: so it's like a vicious cycle, but the ada and disability and those kinds of things help you get what you need that is no different than say a blind employee that is coming to work you still get the same special accommodations that protect you and that is something i would highly encourage for anybody to research with their company before they go back to work talk to their hr companies it is, you know, the same thing goes like if you want to go back to work, let's like say you decided to quit your job and you now ready to go mm-hmm. back to work. Nobody can ask you if you had cancer. Nobody can ask you to leave because you take too many appointments. There's laws that protect you that you have to have the ample time to take off to go get accurate, you know, a good treatment for you, for your life and your healing Um, And I think that's wonderful because I didn't know that because I had great employers, you know, um, specifically who I worked for at Fort Hood at the time. And but learning all of that because I have heard of people getting fired and they won lawsuits because you can't fire them.
5: It's sad that there needs to be legal rights for that. But yes, I'm glad that there are those legal rights.
6: Yes, yeah. And same thing if you are active duty and you have cancer, you know, there are things in place really? that help the active duty member. And I've had to research that a couple of times for some other active duty friends that have gone through different cancers and that, you know, you don't have to show up for PT every day. And if your commander's saying that you need to, that is just one, he doesn't have a heart. And two, like there's things that protect them as well too. And I know somebody in the Air Force that got a lot of those things changed. And she's also one that's been metastatic for 15 years plus. And she had some things changed for that. And and I love it because I remember my, the CAT card, the common access Mm -hmm. card as a DOD employee, you put in your computer and do all that. It expired and I needed to go get a new one. And I had a hat on. And they told me I had to take my hat off. And I said, Absolutely yeah. not. And I said, Well, I'll put my scarf on. And they said, You can't have anything on your head. And I laughed in tears. And, teared. Really? Oh, and so I filed a complaint with the, the the over the ID card place. I forget mm-hmm. what they're called. But he's like, you know what? We don't have a policy for that in our SOPs. Now our SOPs say you cannot have your hat on when we take your photo. Our right. SOP says you need to be, you know, dressed, yada, yada, whatever. But this is an exception that should have been just made automatically. Because right. they do keep your old pictures on file. Because I said, can't you just use my old photo? Oh, no, we don't have access right. to that. And so there were some things that came down with that. Because I did not like my bald head at first. <laughs> and it was I did not wear wigs. I didn't like them. But I needed to gain access back to my... They let me work from home for a little while before it was cool to work from home. Um, And so it was a thing. And I was devastated because I didn't have eyebrows. I didn't have eyelashes. You know, I put on some eyeliner to try to look somewhat normal, whatever that is, and with a hat. And then, okay, okay, get the hat. Let me put my scarf on. And they said no. And I was dehumanized, if you will, um and that policy got changed because they didn't have that policy but no body that just walks in they renew their id cards they're not allowed to wear a hat got it but right, this was an exception right. to that policy you know but this is right so yeah and it's not like so a, that it's is, not a choice yeah yes, you know? exactly so just little things like that that we don't think about but we're so policy driven SOPs, Mm -hmm. AR, whatever, dash, whatever is, this is how it is. This is how I do. Okay. But that's for normal circumstances. So there's some things that have changed in workplaces because of that with DOD and active duty members on the Army side. And I know of Air Force side, just because I've talked to, she's a really great friend of mine now and and she advocates too and, and why it's important. Um, because we're just trying to be normal again, whatever that is, because we're not the same. Right. So whatever normal is anymore. Tell me what are some
5: long-term financial planning considerations for breast cancer survivors that ensures that they are financially prepared for the future to include retirement and other potential healthcare costs?
6: No, I go back to the supplemental insurance. Um. Because that is something everybody needs. And it's a whole lot cheaper if you get it now before you have something. Um, And, and, you know, you
5: you have to get it before you have something, correct?
6: Yes. I mean, you can definitely get it after you might pay a premium for it. Um, Like my newest life insurance, we pay more for it than we would have had we done it before my second round of breast cancer. But you know, really consider those things that are offered to you for um, short-term disability, long-term disability. Um, think about increasing your life insurance. You want life insurance that is that has the ability to pay for what you have in bills, right? Everybody has, you know, a, a rent or a house um, mm-hmm. that your family would be able to continue living on if your income is gone because you passed away or now you're sick with cancer and you can't work so you don't think about those things because life is moving right along and we're doing great things and wham we as military spouses are conditioned to make sure our military person has yeah their life insurance updated their 93 updated to make sure that the beneficiary's done a will a trust fund like yeah i know because they are they go through all that stuff before they deploy right right you never think right. about us back home
5: no nope.
6: what if mom or me gone into a car accident who's gonna take care of the kids until my soldier comes back you know, right. it's, it's those things that we sometimes forget about because we're so worried that we're sending our person into war or danger zone, if you will, that, I mean, especially my husband in a helicopter is, they, they come down, you know, and when they come down, there's usually eight to 10 of them on there. It affects a lot of people. And, you know, that's what we mentally prepare for as we mentally mm-hmm. detach from them as they get ready to deploy. The things that we do as a military spouse, but we forget about what happens if something happens to us. Because right. it happened to me, and I sat and waited for my husband to come back from Afghanistan, and I went straight to JAG and said, "I need to do a will." Not that I was dying, but I had no will. Right, but just I had nice. nothing, nothing mm-hmm. in order for myself. And. I did it. I had my advanced directives, medical directives. So, yep. you know, for for long term, don't take out your 401 if you don't have to or your thrift savings plan, unless you really know what you're doing. Because I didn't. Okay. I just knew I needed the money that was in there to pay bills. Right. And um, we we owed taxes for the first time for four whole years. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I wish I would have went to a financial advisor before I did it. Um, you know, speaking to a financial advisor at any life-changing moments in your life is so important to understand. Okay. So whether it's cancer, whether it's a disability of some sort, we're about to retire. So we have yep. started working on a longer goal of financial planning. Never mind all this cancerness that's happening, what insurance are we gonna have. What you know, what job my husband might get, you know, they're going to have insurance. What is he going to be able to get? So having a conversation with the financial planner and finding a great one that's very military geared oriented because they get our lingo is the number one thing that I recommend. Um, and those that might be listening that are not military affiliated or already out, um, you know, go still talk to them go go right internet search and get you a financial planner and go talk to them because that part's free but at least you'll walk out with better knowledge of how to to plan or adjust things as things happen
7: right
5: right I mean and just someone that knows you know
6: yeah so much is going on in our minds as military spouses anyway and never mind if they're deployed not deployed Kids, no mm-hmm. kids. There's so much going on that, while I'm not a subject matter expert, as I said earlier, in my, our Tricare Humana, I've learned a lot. I've also learned a lot about breast cancer, and I'm not an oncologist, but I've learned a lot because I want to learn so I can help the next person because I didn't have that.
7: Right,
5: right. And I know, I know. We here at Mission Mill spouse, we have worked with uh, first command a lot and they have yes. they have not only veterans but they also have military spouses. So yes. their financial planners uniquely know exactly what you're you know what what military families are going through.
6: Yes. And then that's perfect because I actually just saw somebody from First Command recently. They were really? at that fest that we were at and I was I was so in love with what they were doing and stuff. So I love mm-hmm. that you touched on that because that is something that is important is they get us and they get yeah. the craziness of our lives anyway, on top of everything else that happens in our lives.
5: I was going to say, and on top of everything else that's going on when you need a financial planner, you want you want someone who gets it.
6: Absolutely. Not trying to rip you off and try to make money themselves. Yeah are truly invested. Now we do understand people get paid, but that they're truly invested in you as a human first, mm-hmm. um, and not looking at their almighty dollar that they're going to get. So I love first command actually for that.
7: Yeah. Oh man. So
5: Julie, where can our listeners go to find out more information about your mission to support military spouses?
6: Well, definitely um, I would say spend some time on our website that you had mentioned earlier, pinkwearangels.org. Um, you'll see different stories, different things that we're doing. You know, the financial strain that's overwhelming as a, on our family when I was going through this is what prompted me to create Pinkware Angels. Because I don't want somebody who is a middle class family like us or active duty for that matter or whether you make really good money, but now your income's gone. I didn't want that to be the case. Like, what about the rest of us? So I created this organization to help bridge that that gap between, you know, military families or veterans for just trying to keep up with everyday living expenses. So all of our social media is always storytelling about the next person who went through it um, or the next, you know, my husband himself, as a co-survivor of things that he's been through, um, to see the other side of it, and I recently became a co-survivor when my mom was diagnosed mm-hmm. with breast cancer. Five years after me, um, she oh has since passed away, and uh, a year, a little year and a half ago. I'm and so her, thank you. Um, we, my mother, being Korean, I'm a military brat myself, very cultural oriented. And she didn't want treatment. And so, what we share okay. in, at Pink Warrior Angels is helping those families who are now in hospice mm. or, you know, hospice and death brings a lot of crazy out in our families. But to respect mm. that person and still see them as a human um, that they're going through this and these are their wishes. And so, mm. while we're not hospice team, We also go in and help these families and like go do the dishes because everybody's brought us food and nobody's done the dishes uh, or cleaned up or consolidated food. Right. Um, Right. So not only the financial aspect, that part of it, we want to give more, help more, share more. Um, We want to educate people that because your friend lost her hair, like how can you support her? How are you Mm -hmm. the co-survivor to that person and not feel bad about it? Or a lot of people are just scared, you know? So that is what Pink Wear Angels is about and helping bridge all those gaps. The friend and the co-survivor to be the friend. The financial assistance to help pay some bills. Um, you know, the resource for somebody who might need to be connected with somebody else, you know, of helping them through this journey. Because sometimes we just need somebody there and nothing right. else, no opinions. no money. We just need to be not strong for a minute and cry and be vulnerable. And mm-hmm. we have angels that do that for us. And so that's how that kind
7: of came about.
6: So pink is the color of pink, obviously for breast cancer warriors, because we are a military family and we're all warriors and angels for like person like Mary Lee, who came and helped me, another military spouse to help let me lean into her and be vulnerable and cry. And of course, I became the co-survivor with my mom and watching her and going through all of that. And understanding at that moment, everything my husband had been through and never even thought twice about it. So now we have this whole co-survivor component because I was like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, we're just getting through every day, one foot at a time, you know, because he's a great soldier and that's what he does and all the things. And I never stopped to think about it until it was happening to my mom. And so we try to help educate and bring that awareness and help you spend your dollars during the pink month at great places, not just for us, but other really reputable organizations um, to give to and how you can help them.
5: So as we wrap up our conversation, we have one question that we ask all of our guests, and that's, What is one piece of advice that you would give our listeners to help navigate this military life
6: with respect to your
5: area of expertise?
6: Advocate for yourself. Get your second opinion. It's okay. Um, You're entitled to it, whether it's on the installation or not. Mm -hmm. And advocate for yourself.
5: Maybe we need to advocate for ourselves like we would advocate for our service member or for our kids. Um, Yeah hundred percent. Julie, it has been amazing having you on the show today. And thank you for sharing more about Pink Warrior Angels. Cancer Warriors should never fight alone. And your organization is an amazing program to help support those through their diagnoses and treatments. As always, we thank you very much for serving our community and sharing your resources with our listeners.
1: Thank you to Julie Mosher for sharing all about Pink Warrior Angels and her journey as a cancer survivor. Once again, if you'd like to connect with Julie or Pink Warrior Angels, you can find her on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Pink Warrior Angels. That's one word. Or on Twitter at angels underscore warrior. Or also on their website, pinkwarriorangels.com. Jade, this was an incredible story to listen to. Tell me what stuck with you from the chat with Julie.
2: Okay, so I love that this episode is in October Mm -hmm. um, for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, But really, what struck with me from the conversation with Julie is just how incredible Pink Warrior Angels is of what they're doing and all the resources that they're providing. Uh, I always reflect back, um, especially in this economy, it's kind of crazy to what do you do when something happens? Maybe not even illness um, when it comes up, but it can truly be like so detrimental and your finances can spiral, um, especially from illness or anything that kind of goes on. So you kind of sit back and reflect, um, especially when Julie's talking about all the different, um, financial hardships and different things that they provide to help those financial, um, aspects. Uh, one of my friends recently went through treatment for bone cancer. Um, and the first thing that, really expressed was how financially draining um it was and was being for her and her family um Mm -hmm. just how they were being affected especially uh because they're middle class so they hypothetically kind of felt that they didn't qualify so hearing about the pink warrior angels um and how julie's story kind of like resonated like with what my friend had said yasmin um, it's nice that there are organizations that do help all classes of, um, people in all financial states because it is important and we need these, um, organizations. Um, my friend Yasmin had to stop working and had to navigate, um, keeping her family of five afloat. Her husband at one mm-hmm. time was working three different jobs, just trying to keep their household intact. Pink warrior Angels definitely recognizes that the cancer diagnosis comes with those unexpected costs and hardships, and it's great that they're able to help the fact that they can help alleviate some of the burdens like electricity, water, you know, mortgage, and car payments um, those are incredible that they're able to do those basic necessities that you know you you think like no one should really have to worry about It really like moved me the conversation, and I also had a chance after the interview to look at their website. Um, seeing all the resources and the amazing souls that they have helped and you know how easy it is to apply on their website to get some help. Um, so I encourage every listener to take a look at their website, donate if you can and share with someone in your community, because we don't know if someone you might know is being affected or yourself organizations like this are such a beautiful pleasure and they're so useful. So I just, I really, really enjoyed Julie and learning about the pink warrior angels. Um,
1: what were your thoughts, Sarah? Geez, you, uh, you pretty much covered everything that's in my heart on this one. Um, it was an incredible interview. Julie and pink warrior angels are just doing amazing work. Um, I Julie's story sounds similar to your friends with um you know the, them not qualifying for any assistance but still really needing help with all of the extra financial hardships that come with a diagnosis which is really heartbreaking you know having cancer and going through all of that and the treatment and recovery is is hard enough and then to also have to juggle you know, the uh, the extra childcare and the travel and taking on more jobs. And it's just it is really devastating to think about. So Pink Warrior Angels is really doing amazing work with the resource that is unfortunately very necessary for so many. Um, you said that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I would also like to sort of challenge our listeners to find a way to support the cause. Um, and I do know Pink Warrior Angels supports not just breast cancer, um, but also all diagnoses, but you know, maybe instead of this month, just posting, instead of just posting a pink, you know, ribbon emoji on your social media profile, you can check out the Pink Warrior Angels website and find a way to support them one way or another, um, either donating or attending their 5k later this month, if you're in Texas, or, you know, even just sharing their social media posts and getting the word out about their organization, Julie and her team are doing such incredible work, you know, and um, we're very honored to have them on their show. I'm, I'm very moved by listening to her story.
2: Same here. And um, just like you said, just being able to talk to someone that you know, that's spreading awareness of Pink Warrior Angels and, you know, breast cancer and all the different cancer diagnoses. Uh, Sharing an event from one of your favorite organizations is like the same equivalent as to like donating $5. So just Mm -hmm. pressing the share button or just talking to someone, it's like a monumental thing for any nonprofit and any organization. So like Sarah, I definitely encourage everyone to just speak about it, share, and a little bit
1: always goes the longest way. Well, military spouses, that about does it for another episode of our podcast. It's a wonderful experience to bring you this content week after week and to invite you into our ever expanding tribe. We love doing this so much that we produce two podcasts per week. In addition to our full length Monday podcasts like this one, you can check out our mini casts which drop each Thursday, where our team members share their personal military spouse experiences and stories and the favorite resources that they've used on their journey be sure to subscribe to our podcast on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or on the podcast app of your choice, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Don't miss our next full-length episode when we chat with Brendan Dubner from Life Skills for Soldiers. We look forward to sharing another powerful resource with our Mill Spouse community.
2: Finally, if you want to connect with us here at Mission Mill beyond our podcast, we invite you to subscribe to our newsletter, The SITREP. That's situation report for anyone new to our Mill Spouse neighborhood. We send the SITRAP twice per month, showcasing our top blog posts, upcoming podcast information, exclusive giveaways, and more. To sign up, simply
1: visit missionmillspouse.org. Listeners, it is truly an honor to be part of your Mill Spouse squad. We're here for you no matter what this military life might be throwing your way. We want to thank you for tuning in to this edition of our podcast. No matter what you're facing, we want you to remember that we've been there and you are not alone. We've got your six. This is your Mission Mill Spouse command team signing out.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Mill Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The SITREP. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.